0: Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you will be fine without it
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and I am writing solo, at least just for this intro. Don't worry, Ryan will be here in a moment. I'm recording this in an Airbnb in Los Angeles, and if you hear some background noise, there's construction going on right outside the window or in the bedroom that I'm recording this in. So It's not the usual pristine sounds that you're used to, thanks to Podcast Sean, who keeps our podcast crystal clear most of the time. but I wanted to record this intro really quickly so we could get this podcast out to you on time. I'm really excited about this one. We recorded this live podcast in Pittsburgh. Let me talk about that real quick. We, we just finished up the first wave of the Less Is Now Tour. Ryan and I were in Pittsburgh. That was the very first stop. and Then from there, we went to Burlington, Vermont. That was our first time ever in Vermont. We had been to 48 other states, and that's our 49th state. Don't worry, Alaska. We'll make it to you eventually. We don't have it on the docket yet, but it's just beyond the horizon, I'm sure. And after at Burlington, we were in Boston, and we were at, we finished up that first little wave in Portland, Maine, uh, four, four just great events. I, I don't want to overstate it because I, I enjoyed it so much. Ryan and I have been giving this in-depth talk about minimalism, and it's rare that you have four events that you feel outstanding about after the fact. It always happens that there'll be some sort of technical difficulty, or or I'll mess up something in a speech, or we, we, the vibe just won't be working. But the on the, the crowds at every single one of these events have been engaging and engaged. Their questions have been wonderful. And so I just feel really grateful that we get the opportunity to to speak in front of uh, these folks and in front of all of you as well, but also to answer your questions. And thank you for for continuing to give us engaging questions. If you do want to see us on the road, uh, we're we're hitting the road some more. In fact, really soon we're headed over to Spokane, Seattle, and Portland, Oregon. Those are the next three tour stops that we have, and then from there we're going all over the country. We'll be in Grand Rapids, Madison, Chicago, Minneapolis, San Diego, San Francisco, Los Angeles. And then we'll be over in the Midwest again uh, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland, and I think there's something like 25 other cities. And one cool thing that we're doing while we're on the road is our, our friend Matt Diavella, who directed our documentary Minimalism, which is available worldwide now on Netflix, by the way. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, you certainly can. And if you want a, a deeper behind the scenes look, by the way, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, we just worked on this six-part mini-series, this web series with Matt Vella called Making Minimalism. And it really shows you how we went from just having an idea of, wow, back in 2013, we want to create this documentary to bringing that to fruition, taking a three-year period and, and getting it out in theaters after filming it. How did we film it? Why did we film it? How did we get the interviews? What were some of our failures and so, some of our wins along the way? How do we get it out into theaters? How do we get it on iTunes and and Netflix and and make it available worldwide for all of you to see? And uh, we we just finished up the sixth episode of that, so it's a six-part series. The sixth episode, it was just an interview with me and Ryan and Matt Diavella. Matt has been on the road with us for this first wave of the tour, and he'll be on future waves as well because we're recording some stuff. I can't tell you what it's for just yet, but I'm really excited to be creating this new This new creation. That's all I'll I'll leave it at for now uh, about what we're creating. But I'm excited to get that out there to you. In the meantime, you can check out Making Minimalism over at our uh, YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash The Minimalist. And if you want to see us on tour, you can find all 40-something cities that we're coming to this year. The cities, the dates, the details over at theminimalists.com. Or you can just go to lessisnow.com. That'll take you over to our, our tour page and uh, a few of you had questions about the tickets. You, you go to the, the venue page or, or to buy a ticket, and there are two types of tickets. There's general admission, which gets you a ticket into the door and you get to see the event just like everyone else. And there's also the, these VIP tickets. And, and many of you said, well, what's the difference? What if I buy this VIP ticket, what does that get me? Well, first off, VIP tickets are limited. So in many cities, they're, they're already sold out. Uh, but don't worry, if you, if you can't get one, it's okay. But VIP ticket access, get you access to the, the first two, two rows, the first two rows of seats in the theater wherever we are. So you get the best seats in the house basically. You also get to be first in line after the event. So during the event, Ryan and I give a talk, then we record a live podcast. and after that we do this, this hug line basically, where the, the hugs are obviously optional. They're also free and transferable, so you can pass them on. But we take photos, we sign books, and and all that fun stuff as well. And if you have a VIP ticket, if you're a VIP ticket holder, then you get first access to that. You, You basically have your own individual line. But then we also will give you copies of all three of our books, Essential, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, and Everything That Remains, as well as a copy of our documentary, Minimalism. If you want them, if you don't want them, obviously, we're not going to force you to, to take a physical item, of course, that's, a, that's against our ethos. But whether you buy a copy of, of one of our books, or we give you one because you have a VIP ticket, we always encourage people to minimize them after the fact anyway. So once you've gotten value from it, please pass it on to someone else who can get value from it. It's not gonna do you any good just sitting on a shelf somewhere. And so you can pass it on to your local library or a friend or family member, just leave it on a coworkers desk or in a break room somewhere. Hopefully someone else will get value in that thing as opposed to just holding on to it. And by the way, if you're waiting to get your tickets, whether it's VIP or regular, I wouldn't wait. The The Pittsburgh event that you're about to hear, it, it actually sold out, and strangely, it sold out the last day of the event that is a rare occurrence usually when they sell out they sell out way in advance For for example last year we did 15 cities during the documentary tour and i believe 14 of those ended up selling out and they often sell out way in advance so if you're one of those people like ryan who waits till the last minute to get his tickets then uh, you may show up and find that uh, there are no more tickets, at least in some cities. That will definitely be the case. Ryan and I have been bouncing all around uh, this month. It's been it's been a very focused month, not busy. We've said no to most things, so we can say yes to the most important things. There was, in fact, a 24-hour period where we had set foot in all four time zones because uh, we finished up that first wave of the tour, then we we, we flew back home to Missoula, Montana for a night, and then we drove out to Pullman, Washington. Have any of you ever been to Pullman, Washington before? Neither had I, it, well, until last week. We, we got the opportunity to speak to this group of college kids, and we showed up thinking there would be a small group of, of college kids there. And then we were told, no, you're actually speaking in a theater that seats 500 people. But we showed up, and it was more like 750 or 800 people showed up. And unfortunately, I actually had to turn some people away. And I'm just really grateful. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry if if you, didn't make it, if you didn't get a chance to make it in there. If you're one of those people who got turned away, we'll have to make it up to you next time. I had no idea that our message would resonate so much at and, and, and Washington State University at Pullman, Washington. But it did. Uh, but I, I really feel privileged to have the opportunity to speak to... To the youth, it almost sounds cliche, but we're seeing more high school kids, we're seeing more college kids, more millennials showing up at our events. So we have everything from 11-year-olds to 90-year-olds who, who show up at our events, but I feel grateful that we get a chance to contribute to folks while they're young so they don't have to make some of the same mistakes I made throughout my, throughout my 20s pursuing the, the so-called American dream. Uh, usually in our podcast, we record a, a added value segment toward the end of the podcast. Because we're doing these live events, we, we're not doing the added value segment at the very end. But I wanted to give you just a little bit of added value this week. I'm in Los Angeles right now. Oh, by the way, uh, the reason I'm in Los Angeles is Ryan and I had a couple of really strong interviews, great conversations with some folks while we were here. We as soon as we landed here in Los Angeles, we drove out to Topanga Canyon and met with Dr. Christopher Ryan. You might know him cuz he wrote a book called Sex at Dawn, and he has a great podcast called Tangentially Speaking. And the way he records it, he records it at his home in the canyon, sort of in the middle of nowhere. There's no there's no cell phone service. And it's just out in nature. So when you listen to our conversation we had with him, we'll put a link to that in in the show notes, by the way. If you listen to this conversation, you hear the birds chirping in the background. And I can just tell you, it's one of the best conversations that I've had in a long time. Whether or not there was a mic or not a mic in front of me, it just so happened that he mics us up for this. And then we just sit around and talk. In fact, it doesn't even feel like he's recording. It just feels like you're sitting around on a back porch having a conversation with a really smart friend. So I hope you check that out. While we were here, we also did a, a conversation with uh, Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew, with, uh, all, of all people. I, I never thought we'd be on, on their show and had a, a really strong conversation with them as well. I'm told that will be out this Friday. We'll put a link to the, at least their show in, in the show notes, and you can check that out this Friday. It was a short, maybe 20-minute conversation, maybe a little bit longer than that. and uh, they, they were able to talk about the documentary and— The thing I like best is Adam Carolla shared this story about his kid opening something like 120 presents on Christmas and being overwhelmed and just feeling terrible, and he related that to consumerism, and it was a great story. I couldn't do it justice, so you'll have to go listen to that on your own when it comes out this Friday. Anyway, back to my added value segment. I'm here in Los Angeles. I went to the LACMA yesterday. I've been to the LACMA. It's the LA County uh, Museum of Art, right? LACMA. Uh, and I've been there a bunch of times, but there's a new exhibit that just, that just came out, I think within the last week or so. It's about 9 11, and it's a Saudi artist's interpretation of the post 9 11 times, the post 9 11 events. And it was evocative. I mean, it, 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 left, uh, it left me with certain feelings that I'm still trying to reconcile. But, but it also made me start asking some questions about those feelings. And I think that's what really great art does. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, you get a chance to check it out. The exhibit at the LACMA, it's just called Pause, And I'm not going to tell you why it's called Pause, but you'll, you'll figure it out pretty quickly after you visit it. I definitely encourage you to check it out if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area. All right, Sean, I think that's all I have for now. What we'll... We'll move on to this live version of the Minimalist Podcast in Pittsburgh. I know I I really enjoyed this and and I hope you do too. Well, hello everybody. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I
2: am Ryan Nicodemus and together we are the Minimalists. And we
1: are live in
2: Pittsburgh.
1: Hello, Pittsburgh. (laughs) Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, So we have a microphone set up here. Usually what we do is we take phone calls, uh, but you don't need to call us right now because we're all here in the same room, right? And so if you're anywhere, even way in the back, you're welcome to come on up here, ask your questions. We'll we'll get through as many as we can. We we tend to pontificate a little bit. So you can come up here, ask your questions, and eventually we'll try to get to a, a lightning round as well. Someone has to break the ice. Yeah, the microphone's right here in case.
2: <clears throat> you guys are
1: looking for it. There That's we go. The all right. First
3: of all, I just want to say thank you. What's your wh- name? My name is Angie Gonzalez. Hey, nice thank you, Angie. Thank you. Welcome to Pittsburgh. Thanks for coming out. So I'm a singer, and I have, over the years, accumulated a lot of stuff, a lot of um, wardrobe, accessories, shoes, wigs, makeup, you name it. Mm-hmm. And um, since I discovered you guys, I have eliminated about 90% of it all. Yeah, donating. congratulations. Thank you. However, in all of that, I have also discovered thrifting. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm a little proud of myself, and I've kind of um, you know, allowed myself to buy things as I see them. Um, maybe if I'm looking for a specific... I don't, I'll go to a thrift store first. So I'm, I'm minimizing my overall expense, but yet I'm you know, slowly you know, <laughs> filling up that closet again. So right. what kind of advice do you have for someone like me whose appearance is you know, important when it comes to career?
1: Yeah, so, so a few things. Uh, thank you for your question, first off. Uh, a few things I'm gonna recommend. First, you, you're going to want to figure out what your outcome is. So quite often we will go, Thrifting. We, we were just reading a stat earlier today. We, we had a little vent before this. Uh, did you know 93% of teenage women, teenage females, mm-hmm. list shopping as their favorite pastime? Yeah. Favorite pastime. And so the, the outcome in that is actually the shopping, whereas what you're talking about how, is how can I shift that outcome so, so that it's to clothe myself, and look good in, in the process, right? Your style is important to you, fashion can be important to you, but instead of the important thing being the act of shopping, you can turn the act of shopping into a, uh, j- just the, the means to get to the actual outcome. And on top of that, I mean, a few sort of practical rules as well is you, you can find, I'm not encouraging you to wear a uniform, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> you don't have to have the black pants and the black shirt, um, but what you can do is you can say, uh, what are my limitations? Uh, have, has anyone here ever tried Project 333? A few people. That's awesome. So uh, you can usually tell, by the way, who, who, who's done Project 333, and I'll tell you what it is here in a second, because they're often the best-dressed people in the room. And so what Project 333 is, uh, it's our friend Courtney Carver, who Ryan mentioned earlier. She started it, you can just go to the website, uh, project333.org. And basically, you just, y- you pick 33 pieces of clothing that you wanna wear over the course of three months. It seems a bit restrictive at first, and that includes everything. Shirts, pants, shoes. Uh, I guess it probably doesn't include underwear. <laughs> but real minimalists don't wear underwear. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. Ryan and I share a pair of underwear. Gross. <laughs> um, but but what what you can do is you set up these these sort of boundaries for you, and and they allow you to to realize like wait a minute these 33 pieces of clothes end up being my favorite clothes. You're going to pick your favorite things if you're limited to 33 items. And while that se- may seem a bit draconian at first, mm-hmm. y- you can expand it beyond them if you want. You get to create your own rules, okay. right? And, so, and you also mentioned that, that you have a family. you have kids? My
4: daughter's
1: here with me. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think the important thing to notice with, with your kids is, mm-hmm. is they're watching you as well. Yes. And, and so whatever habits you have, they're gonna pick up, and the good news, that, thats actually good news—because if you have good habits, mm-hmm. especially around shopping, they often pick up those habits as well. Now they're gonna pick up habits elsewhere, obviously, right. but the, the person they pick up their most habits from are are, are gonna be their parents for sure.
2: Yeah, I think uh, uh, th- those boundaries are, are what are important for me because, you know, I am uh, I, I, every day I'm like asking myself, like, okay, what uh, what have I had for a long time i i put usually like a probably like a 30 to 60 day time limit on it but like sometimes i'll come across stuff especially like the junk drawer i still have one junk drawer and it's important to have a junk drawer like i got just you know it's all that random stuff and what will happen is like as it fills up instead of coming up with a junk drawer number two uh-huh. um i will i will clean that sucker out uh-huh. and i'll tell you like i'll find stuff in there like that's a year old i'm like why did I even think I was gonna need this like little you know extra third u s b cable or whatever it may be um but but that's that's how i stay on the on on the best path that I can stay on is is constantly setting uh and sticking by those those boundaries um there are other things that you can implement too like so I've got you know this thirty 30 rule where I, on either side if tip, I mean, there's some seasonal stuff, right? Like my snowboard, I'm only gonna use a few months out of the year. So I wouldn't get rid of that. Um, but f- for the majority of the stuff that I don't use in the, and, and I haven't used in the last 30 days, and I'm, if I'm honest with, my, with myself, like am I gonna use this in the next 30 days? Uh, I can usually kinda filter stuff out that way pretty well. Um, but it doesn't have to be 30-30 for you. Uh, you can do 90-90, that covers pretty much the whole year. Um, Josh and I wrote about that on our website. Um, the 2020 rule, have you heard of that? Yes. Okay. So for those who haven't heard of it, um, essentially, well, let me tell you how Josh and I got to this 2020 rule. So this was uh, 2011. We were, we were going on our first tour uh, where you know, we'd show up and like, we were lucky if it was five people or six people who, who came out to, to hang out with us at a coffee shop. I couldn't imagine now if we were just like, oh, just meet us at a coffee shop and <laughs> I don't know, maybe like the owner would be happy. We got him a bunch of new customers or something. But uh, but but we, we get to St. Pete Beach, Florida. That was the very first city. We thought it was a, a, a very uh, kind of, you know, apropos place to start because uh, it's where Josh's uh, mom was from and kind of what really led him down the rabbit hole, which then led me down the rabbit hole. And we were only gone for maybe a week, 10 days, and, uh, you know, just a few cities. And we open up the trunk, and I'm looking at a trunk, like, just full of, like, you know, duffel bags,
1: a garment bag. Uh, You never know when you're going to need that suit. (laughs) What if you have, like, an impromptu funeral you have to go to? Right. Exactly. Uh,
2: Exactly. but that's that's really it, though. It's like it was all these things, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, we're no one can see our trunk, man. <laughs> like we are hypocrites. So uh, Josh and I we started talking about it, and it was all these just in case things. And at, at the end of the day, what we decided is is we were like, okay, um, we are not going to hold on to anything just in case because most of the just in case items we could replace within 20 minutes for less than $20. And that sounds, it might sound ridiculous to some at first because you're thinking like, am I going to have to spend $20 every other week? I mean, that adds up 20 bucks adds up and it does like, don't get me wrong. But Josh and I, we we've been using that rule since the beginning. So six years and I can count on one hand how many times both of us have used it combined. And it's it's just really cheap insurance because most of those just-in-case items, we really don't need them. Now, our theory is like this is a rule that works 99% of the time. I'm sure there is an exception to that rule, um, but for Josh and I, it has, it has worked 100% of the time. So just implementing things like that, and it's, you know, don't do it all at once. I mean, Josh and I didn't uh, start doing everything at once. We just kind of would implement some rules and then as we saw other areas that we needed or wanted to improve on, we would imp- implement more rules and create those boundaries. So just keep up, keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep being an awesome example for your daughter. That is so cool. How are you doing? Thank you.
1: Good. 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 Thanks for coming here. We
4: just her gaming collection oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: No, thank, thank you. you. Howdy. Hey, guys.
2: I'm Vincent. Hey. Nice to meet you, Vince. No, I have two questions, though. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. First one is, when was the last
1: time either one of you guys were in a mall? Um, I was, th- I was, I've been there. So we we live in Missoula, Montana now. <laughs> um, and the largest mall in all of Montana is in Missoula. And large is really relative. Um, I mean, it is technically a shopping mall, but, um, man, I don't know. It's, it's been a long time. I'll go there if I need to, but I know I can tell you a story. A few years ago, we were back in Cincinnati Um, for uh, a tour stop and I had a a cable on my phone like broke and I needed to replace it and so the closest closest place for me to go was into a mall it was the the Tri-County Mall in Cincinnati, Ohio and I I walked into this mall and I remember not making it down to the end of the first hallway and I just turned around and said fuck this, I'm out of (laughs) here and And I went somewhere else that was farther away, just because And the irony of that is Ryan and I used to to manage a bunch of retail stores. So I was a director of operations for 150 retail stores. I spent most of my days in malls and going to different stores throughout Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. And now I can't even stand the sight of of going into one, really. Uh, The last time I was in a mall, uh, we just went to Chicago
2: for... Um, a, a speaking gig that we had and uh, like the the hotel we were staying at it was like right there on the, the Michigan mile and yeah it is so overwhelming I don't I don't get like too antsy in the mall Um, actually it was really cold so there was like the huge mall that's on the Michigan mile we would cut through to like because we could stay indoors for like a like a block and a half or two blocks <laughs> going through all these stores and I'll tell you every time I walk through the mall and I remember specifically um, on one of the routes uh, we go through Nordstrom's and I remember like Nordstrom's being such a big deal to me like when I was in the corporate world and I was I would just like go there and <laughs> I would bought stuff that was on sale that was like always like a size off but it was like a really nice name brand and then like that would just like either I'd wear it and I'd look you know, a little silly. Or it would, like, sit in my closet with the price tag on it for a while until I, you know, finally had a packing party to get rid of all that stuff. But, uh, but, yeah, I remember, too, like, going through Nordstrom's and, and not only remembering the, that manic feeling that I would get from going through the racks and looking at different products, but I also remember that feeling I got when I was checking out. And it was always this feeling of, like, I don't have this, this money right now. I'm putting, I'm putting it on my credit card. I would make huge, thousands of dollars worth of commission, and by the time I got that commission check, I had already spent it. And I just remember always just having that sinking feeling of going into more debt, and as I'm like in this tornado of a when I'm still like, good to see you, thanks. I would leave. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not against malls. In fact, during our, our tour, uh, uh, one of our tours, Josh and I, we gave a talk in the Edmonton Mall, which is like the largest mall in North America. And uh, people were like, on, you know, on Twitter and email, like, you guys are hypocrites. I can't believe you're going to the mall to give a talk. And I'm like, dude, where do you want us to go? To a, like a monastery? Like a monk's monastery? Like, we're gonna, they're going to put us to shame. Like, we're not... You know, we'd be preaching to the choir. Like, we're where better to go than in the belly of the beast? You know. So uh, it was great. We had an awesome turnout, and um, yeah, it was, it was a great event. But I'm not. I'm not opposed to uh, to malls. I mean, I think we have way too many. I mean, the case in point is they're they're going to shut down a ton of malls over the next couple of years. I don't know if you guys have read that article or not, but oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. Definitely uh, something that I avoid as much as I can, but sometimes, you know, you can, you can stay warm in Chicago for two blocks, walking through Lake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh yeah, you had another question. Was well, you guys are influencing a lot of people with
1: what you're doing. Who influenced you guys on this journey when you started? My influence is, it really depends on, uh, well, the people he mentioned first, so like Colin, uh, who runs a great blog called Exile Lifestyle, and uh, he has a great podcast as well called Let's Know Things. And uh, the other people he mentioned as well. What I, what I really liked about that, when, when he was, uh, uh, the, the people he was going through, is when I first saw, the first person I was introduced to was Colin Wright. And he was 24 years old, like this young, cool entrepreneur. And I'm like, oh, that's who minimalism's for. And I'm like, that's, I, I respect him and I appreciate what he's doing, but I don't aspire to be the peripatetic writer who who just jaunts around the world in perpetuity. And so, I'm like, ah, this might not be for me, but then I stumbled farther down the the rabbit hole and I saw Leo Babauta and he had six kids, right? He's a minimalist with condoms. (laughs) And, And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't wanna have six kids either, right? And I don't wanna travel the world. Maybe there's like a spectrum of minimalism and, and for me, it was really about like tweezing ingredients from each of those people's recipes and apply it to my own life. If you go beyond that, I mean, I think you can look back to the Stoics. So like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca, and uh, I heard one clap. For Marcus Aurelius, yeah. <laughs> for a second, I thought that was the sound of one hand clapping. That's good, man. Um, that's Buddhism, I think. Um, It's like an old Zen Cohen, But anyway, um, yeah, so Marcus Aurelius, uh, Epictetus. uh, Epictetus was my favorite. Uh, uh, The Discourses is is a great read. I mean, some of the the stoic wisdom is a bit too stoic for me. Um, But they are also, I mean, you can go farther down a rabbit hole, you can read about ascetics who believe they should live in pain and suffering perpetually because that will help them deal with the pain. That's, that's not what minimalism is about for me. It's not about deprivation. But those are certainly some of my influences.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the Stoics, um, Thoreau. Josh, is a he was a huge inspiration. Um, all of you guys, really. I mean, that's why we do this. It's because it, it does add value. And, you know, if you were to tell me six years ago, like, oh, you're going to be on a stage in Pittsburgh in front of, like, 300 people, and you're going to get some crazy applause when you guys go out on stage. <laughs> uh, it literally gave me chills, that was so awesome, uh, but anyway, like I never would have believed it and you know the fact that uh, I think this is an important message, and uh, as long as people continue to get value out of it, we're going to continue to do it for sure Howdy
5: Hello <laughs> uh, my name is Gina, and actually I have two quick well two questions. the first one was, how is your breaking your coffee fast at forty one twenty one
1: maine so, 41.25, right?
5: 41.21.
1: 41.21, Maine. Yeah, yeah, That was a great shop. We just went there today. Uh, did we post that? Yeah.
4: You did. Okay.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, 41.21 was a great shop. We found it on, like, Google. And uh, so, I actually, I broke it, yes, what's today? Wednesday? Today's today. I don't, did we record a
2: podcast yesterday? I don't think so.
1: Okay. Um, I broke it on Tuesday, whenever that was, and it was awesome. Did you get that like coffee buzz? Like, I got the oh my god, I am so awake. Now I get <laughs> I, I tend to get up really early, so it was like 3 a.m. or 3:30 a.m. and and I made that coffee, and I was I was just midday awake, yeah, charged. Awesome.
5: <laughs> so my real question is, you couldn't answer it at 28, you said, but now, what are your passions aside from this? I mean. Or give,
1: her, give her the deer
2: in headlights. <laughs> uh, what am I passionate about?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. I was living paycheck to paycheck, <laughs> <laughs>
2: living for stuff. No, um, uh, no, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I love to snowboard. I love high. We live in Montana. It's hard not to find a bunch of passions. If, if as long as you go outside, like you can't just hang out in your apartment all day and and sulk. <laughs> um, no, it, uh, I, I love uh, going up to Glacier and um, I don't do a whole lot of camping, but um, I, I do love to camp. I, I really want to start fly fishing, but I have set that boundary up where I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to take on any more hobbies because I already ha- have uh, mountain biking is another one during the summer. Like I, I love the mountain bike, um, but I, I have a mountain bike. I got a snowboard. I'm like, and it's already hard to keep up with all that. So um, I have not gone the fly fishing route yet because once you pick up that hobby, um, you're gonna have so much <laughs> like tackle there's and a lot gear. Of gear. Yes, yeah, there's so much gear. that goes with it. Uh, but no, I, uh, I I think that's what's cool about what I've really learned through this journey too is like there isn't just one passion that one of us were born with. You know, I wasn't uh, born to be a snowboarder. Josh wasn't born to be a writer. But th- those are things that uh, you know, we both um, have interests in, and and really cultivating those interests, like putting in the work. That's really how you create a passion. It's it's after you put the work in to to do whatever that passion is. So you know, I might wake up one day. I'm sure I will eventually. I was gonna say I'm gonna wake up one day, like you know, 60, and I'm gonna be like, oh man, my back hurts way too bad for me to go snowboarding anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, my partner Mariah, her father is just turned 60 this year. And he will still beat me down the hill on on skis, so um I will uh use
1: that as inspiration to not quit when I'm sixty
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For,
1: for me it's 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 definitely writing i mean i I, I love words and um I like words too <laughs> there's so many of them <laughs> Dude, I got this book the other day it's called a dictionary <laughs> You wouldn't believe it man It has all the words oh my goodness <laughs> no I, I i I really do I mean uh just the, the act of composition, you know, it's it's one of the, it, it can be maddening from time to time. Like I want to put my head through a wall, but but there is 50 percent of the time where it is like absolute payoff. It's like what Ryan said. You have to drudge through that drudgery to get to the other side, to get to the real passion. I think too often we confuse excitement for passion. We get excited about an idea or whatever. We say, oh, I'm passionate about this, but then when it gets difficult, we say, you know what? I must not be passionate about this. Writing is hard. Yeah, of course it is. Anything worth doing is difficult, but that's why it's worth doing. It's worth working to get to the other side. You get through that slump and that's where the real passion, the real payoff is. Well, oh,
5: great. Thank you.
1: Thank Thanks you for the questions.
6: Hey guys. Hello. My name is Tori and Josh, I just have to say we are kindred spirits. I wake up at about three AM usually. I am a passionate writer. Nice. And my question is very simple, but I'm suspecting the answer isn't how do you remind yourself to be mindful? Like, when you fall off the wagon and you just get distracted by those pacifiers, like, you really want to be a minimalist, but sometimes it's just really hard to remember, hey, this is what's important in my life and not just what feels good.
1: What distractions are you facing?
6: <laughs> I mean, the usual 22-year-old things. You've got sure. friends, you've got, you know, social media all over the place. Just anything that keeps me from either writing or spending time with people.
1: Yeah. So, so has anybody seen, we, we just started this animated series called Simples, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, so, it's this animated series like, where we just took some essays that Ryan and I wrote, and I did a quick voiceover for them. And uh, Elvin Dantes, he, he drew up this whole series. But the first, the first episode of that is called Someday. And the, the sort of experiment in there is to make a, a sort of t- to do list. Just take a piece of paper, put a line down the middle, write on one side everything that you want to do someday or something you're eager to do. Another thing you could call it is what are your priorities, right? And then on the other side of that, that piece of paper, write down everything that you've done in the last 24 hours. Those are your real priorities. And if that is uh, browsing you know, Facebook or going to the mall or whatever it may be, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things, but we don't all have the same resources here. We don't have the same money, we don't have the same backgrounds, we don't have the same education, but we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And we get to decide how we're going to divvy that up. And even outside of of work, you know, there's 16 hours a day or whatever it may be for you. The the, the point is that we get to decide how we spend our time. And for so long, all of those things on my someday list stayed on that list. And eventually, it really had to do with just flipping those. I can put the other stuff off. I can put like, scrolling incessantly through Facebook on my someday list. And I can put like, going on our eighth tour in seven years on my two day list. And, and it has a lot more to do with the actions we're willing to take every day. Are my short term actions in line with my long term values? Yeah. I would encourage
2: you to just do some ex- experimenting. like, uh, Like Josh and I, we got rid of internet. For a while, um, it's really, really awesome when you don't have internet. Cause like, a you become more productive. And B like you gotta get out of the house. I mean, we run a blog, so figure that out. We had no internet and ran a blog. So, so uh, yeah, I, I would just encourage you to like maybe introduce some stuff like that in your life right now. Uh, Like Josh and I, we were, um, I don't think we published that podcast yet. Comes out next Tuesday. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) During the podcast we recorded on Tuesday, uh, we were talking about distractions and social media specifically. And we deleted all of our social media apps. Now you might be asking like, well, how were you guys on Instagram earlier today? Here's the secret. You find a friend with a phone, podcast on. (laughs) Sean, And no, we've got Jess Williams who helps us out too. But you know, they they do have those on there, and they'll post the for us. But I'll tell you, it makes us, it makes me way more intentional with uh, with social media specifically because I don't. First off, I don't scroll on Facebook, so that's not that was never really a a huge distraction for me. Because like as soon as I <laughs> get on Facebook and I'll like check all my notifications, um, I do try to stay up with those, um, just because I feel bad about ignoring people. But then I'll be like, you know, done checking my notifications, and I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to scroll for a little bit, and now I'm in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I would just – don't do that all at once. And you know what? Let's say you, let's say you do get rid of, rid of internet, for example. And uh, after a month, it's like you really feel deprived. Like there's something – Like it was obviously adding value to bring it back in, you know, again, minimalism isn't about deprivation.
1: Josh did that with his phone. He got rid of his phone for, it was like three months, right? Yeah, it was two months. And it was right after I got rid of, it was a few months after I got rid of home internet. So I lived without home internet for five years and um, it was a very productive five years. Um, and, And I can tell you the first month that I did that, it was so stressful But then when I got rid of, so right before I got rid of TV, and then rid of home internet, and then I got rid of the phone for two months. And you learn about a special kind of lonely. (laughs) (laughs) But then I discovered uh, this new thing that just came out, they're called books. Oh my God, you guys heard of these? They're amazing, and there's like pages and words. I talked about, I love words, right? And, and, and so what I found is I was reading more, and the other cool thing is you learn a lot about your friends when, when you get rid of your phone. And I'm not telling people to, like with Ryan, we didn't just delete all of our social media. We just took all of our phone temporarily because it's like, how can I retrain myself? How, the pendulum's over here. How can I swing it back here and then figure out a comfortable middle by doing that. And so I think quite often do this setting up those boundaries as as Ryan said you can go without something for a while and then focus on what's what's truly important for you.
6: Thank you guys, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Howdy.
6: Hi. Hello. I'm Barry.
1: Hey Hi. Barry. Nice to meet
6: you. Hi guys. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for making your first stop Pittsburgh. You really <laughs> add a lot of value. Yeah.
2: It's our pleasure. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for coming
6: out. You really add a lot of value, so take another shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about sentimental items. Let's do it. So seven years ago, my mom's best friend from birth, my aunt, stitched me a beautiful large quilt in my favorite colors that contains pictures of me and my friends from high school, all of whom I no longer am connected with. This quilt is so nice that it was presented to me by my mother as being meant to lay on top of my bedspread to be just for show.
4: Mm -hmm. During
6: my college years, it laid out in my bedroom at home, unused and forgotten about, and since graduating and moving out of my parents' home, it has become another piece of baggage carried from apartment to apartment. The quilt no longer brings me joy and has been sitting in my closet folded up, out of sight, out of mind for years. My question is, what are my options to minimize this quilt without hurting anybody's feelings? Because the photos on it are so specific to me that it doesn't make sense to donate it to Goodwill because I don't see anybody else getting value from it.
2: I gotta be honest with you, if I came across that in Goodwill, <laughs> I would be like, this is awesome. Because <laughs> people would be like, what, who, who are these pictures on this I'm like, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> well, I think we found your answer, you just have to give it to Ryan. <laughs> No, Mariah,
2: and I have enough quotes. It's pink
6: and green. Do you really want
2: it? <laughs> no, thanks for asking. that.
1: No. <laughs> my my short answer. If I an- a quote, I totally would. Though. <laughs> my short answer to you is just let it go, and and so you can't control how someone else is going to feel. You you can try to mitigate that. You don't want to do anything mean. You you certainly don't want to do anything egregious to anyone, but if. If it's something that is in your way, you have to understand that the people who care about you want to remove any barriers that you might have. And so you have to give yourself permission to let it go. And, and it's going to be difficult. Now, you're right. Maybe someone at Goodwill isn't going to want Because I would have had the same feeling as you. But apparently, Ryan has quilting sensibilities. And, and if, if there's at least one more person in the world who probably would feel that way, too. But here's the other question for you: Is there something else you could do with it that would make it not a quilt? Are you, are you trying to tug her into like turning it into a hat or something? <laughs> a bunch of hats. Yeah. We have a friend, Robin Devine. She makes hats.com, <laughs> and uh, well, she she makes hats. And, uh, well, no, I, I guess I guess where, where, where I'm going with that is quite often we'll have people who have like these boxes and boxes of photographs their parents pass down to them and, and you know, we always advocate doing something called a scanning party, but occasionally what someone will do is they'll take someone else's photos and turn it into art somehow. And so the question is, is there a, a creative way for you to repurpose this? And I don't know, uh, but there might be. And I think if you were to ask... Three, five of your friends, then you'll find three or five different creative ways to repurpose it. Yeah,
2: and really, and if I'm way off base, just tell me, but like, let's say you went home tonight and like that quote, like spontaneously combusted, and thank God, like that's the only thing that burned in your closet. Like, you probably would like, you'd probably be like, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It doesn't need to catch fire for you to not worry about
6: it. <laughs> True. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. All right, we got, we got these last four, and then we'll try to do a lightning round after that. Wait, last five. All Six. <laughs> All right. Do I hear seven? I'll t- I tell you what, we'll I'm just do kidding, I'm no, just kidding. No, 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 you, you can line up. Let's do this. No, I let's, think he's just letting them in. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's do these four, and then anyone who has a lightning round question, you can ask a quick question. We'll give you a tweetable answer to it, okay? So come on up. We'll yeah. give you a tweetable answer. Howdy, what's your name?
3: Hi, how are you?
1: Great, how, Good, are, you? how are
3: you? Hi, uh, Marissa.
1: Nice to meet you, Marissa. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for coming
3: out. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Pittsburgh.
1: Heck yeah. <laughs>
3: um, so I guess uh, the biggest question I have for you guys in, in an indirect manner, um, not directly related to monetary needs, um, I guess is you guys have seemed to have found it like a huge life purpose through minimalism. And is there any advice that you would have for everyone in the audience as to uh, I guess uh, finding that life purpose and that life path because you guys seem so fulfilled through what you do um, so any advice that you would have for anyone in the audience for to sure. finding that
1: yeah definitely so, so a few things one is get really clear on what your values are so, so if you don't know what your values are that's really the foundation upon which everything else is built and I think for a long time I, I paid lip service and if you would have asked me what my values are i I would have given you a few words that didn't really mean much. they were sort of nebulous and and what i've realized is that I need to know exactly what my my personal values are. Ryan and I did a podcast about this recently episode sixty nine it 's called values and if you If you go listen to it it it's basically we talk about our, our core values. Uh, sort of foundational values, health relationships, passion, growth, contribution, and then how do you build on, on top of that, uh, all the way up to imaginary values, and I think that's the problem for most of us, is we, sit, we think something's important or we just want that ephemeral bit of pleasure, and now, if you look at at um, these tech companies, they're not inherently evil, but they have, they employ thousands of engineers to aggregate our eyeballs to either their Add their product, or their service. And I mean, some of it's a bit insidious, and it's all quite pernicious. And, and the, the problem that, that we're running into is it's becoming harder and harder to fight that off. And, and so we need to be equipped with being able to get grounded back to what our values are, right? And so if you don't know what your values are, sit down, have an exercise, listen to that podcast episode. I think it'll point you in the right direction. But beyond that, I also want you to realize something. You weren't born to be an astronaut. You weren't born to be a yoga instructor. You weren't born to be a very talented director. Uh, Matt D'Avella, ladies and gentlemen. If you like our documentary, he's the whole reason it exists. But Matt, Matt was not born to be a, a filmmaker. The key was finding something that aligned with his values and then his beliefs and his interests and putting in the work, cultivating that into a passion over a long period of time. And that's actually good news because you weren't born to do something and it doesn't need to be that all the stars align so that you can do that thing. No, there are dozens, maybe even hundreds of things that you can be passionate about. And the key is just picking one right now making sure it aligns with those values, and then carrying it forward. And then if that one doesn't work out, you pick the next one, and you carry it forward. You, you gotta be willing to put in the hard work, though. That was a good answer.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, I would, yeah, I would just echo what he said.
4: Cool. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> one, okay. one book
1: for you. Um, Cal Newport wrote a bo- two books, actually. He wrote two books. One is called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And it's about that, that topic of, Cultivating your passion, and uh, he wrote one recently called Deep Work, and it's about just really diving in eschewing all of the distractions in your life and Really having focused work. It doesn't have to be as much as you think, you know Some of the most focused people in the world focus on their craft two to three hours a day and They accomplish amazing things over the course of a year or two years or five years.
2: Yeah I I think if I did add anything, I would just say like, when the joy of doing that thing outweighs the pain and suffering that you have to go through to do that thing, like, that is, that, that's when I look at it and be like, yeah, I freaking, I do love this. It's like snowboarding. I fell on the first, like, the first time I went this year, and I don't know if I cracked my ribs or not. I didn't get x-rayed, but, like, every time I breathed, it hurt, and, I mean, it was, it was miserable. And uh, the second time I went, my ribs were still kind of messed up. Um, it hurt a ton, and I'm, like, getting on that first ski lift. And it was, it's, like, a uh, Montana lift tickets are, like, 30 bucks. But the lifts are super long and super slow and it's super cold. <laughs> and, like, we're going, I'm, we're going up. And <laughs> I'm just, like, why do I do this to myself every year? Like, my ribs are hurting. Like, it's, I'm so cold right now. And then, like, we got off that lift and I got to the top of the mountain. And I'm, like, oh, yeah, that's why. Like, this is why I do it.
5: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Hi guys, Hello. my name is Deb. I have been following minimalism for about a couple years. Since 2012, I discovered the Becoming Minimalist blog by Joshua.
1: Cool. Yeah, um, Joshua Becker, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah, he's great.
5: Awesome. So I discovered that. I was in, At that time, I was working as a journalist um, talking about passion. And I spent pretty much most of my lifetime either in photography or journalism. Ha, huh, that didn't work out too well financially for me. So I'm kind of going backtrack now and um, getting out of debt so i've been listening to all of your podcasts uh you guys have been traveling with me 40 minutes a day twice a day um for the last three weeks honestly i've just been really into you guys and um really your values are are very powerful and in line with the the political podcast oh my god amazing just really inspiring because i'm really
1: that's not exactly the feedback i got across the board
5: (laughs) well i live in trump town uh, oh so, yeah. and then I go to work in like Hillaryville. It's just two totally different, totally different things. Uh-huh. But what I, what my question is, um, so right now I'm actually in the process of transition. I had a house, I lost that house. I had to downsize and I'm now uh, temporary housing and living with my mother and trying to get out of debt. Um, I'm trying to figure out what stuff to keep for when I have an apartment. So I'm, we're doing the me and my girls, got 20 girls of us, guys, whoever is doing that minimalism game right now. We're in cool. the middle of that, almost the 15th day. But um, working on trying to figure out what are the best things to keep that I might not need right this moment, but that I might need in six months or four months or whenever it is, I do decide to um, move out on my own. Mm. So just looking to see maybe if you could give me some advice on what yeah. might be good to keep for
1: that. First off, thanks, thank you for, and and congratulations on, on getting, working toward getting out of debt. I know it's, it's so overpowering, you know, I had six figures worth of debt, uh, half a million dollars if you count my mortgage, and I just felt like trapped, I felt stuck, and so congratulations for working toward that. It took me a long time and and a lot of just really scraping by, but I can tell you what I would do if I was in your situation. I can't tell you what to do, but I, I can certainly tell you what I would do. With all of that stuff, I would look at it and would say, what items, if I didn't have any of these items, which of these individual items would I repurchase? And go shopping amongst your own stuff and keep only the things that you would buy again. And then that way you're not trying to cram your old life into whatever your new space is. Mm -hmm. When when you move into that new space, you'll be able to fit your new life your new debt-free life into that space. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you: Are you paying for storage right now?
2: No, I actually okay.
5: minimized all my stuff earlier in life.
2: Okay. So cool. Good. Well, yeah, because uh, like anyone out there who is facing this problem and is paying, you know, a thousand or two thousand yeah. bucks a year in storage, like nuts. there's the there's the leverage for that. Um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would see uh, if, it, if it like Josh said, if it was me. And uh, I did do this, actually. Um, when, I, when I left uh, Ohio and we went out to Montana in the cabin you know, in the middle of nowhere, I didn't think I was going to be out in Montana for this long. Um, so I had like a little spot in my like, grandma's garage that I uh, kind of kept stuff in. And when I got back to Ohio, it was like six, maybe eight months after we had moved out to Montana. And I'm like, "There's no way I'm com- coming back to Ohio." So um, there were some like really awesome things that uh, that I really, really loved, um, like uh, this like antique chair that I had. It was like the first large purchase that I had ever made when I was 18 years old. It was like 450 bucks, and uh, I had, um, like, a nice, well, it was, like, a nice-ish, like, washer and dryer. I had a nice bed frame and a bed. All the stuff that I thought like, when I come back to Ohio, I'm I'm definitely going to, like, use all this stuff. And I had a garage sale, and I was so adamant about, like, getting that stuff out of my grandma's garage. I'm not going to, like, you know, let her keep burdening that that storage space. And um, (laughs) just an aside, uh... The, there was a uh, statistic we were talking about earlier today where um, it's like 25% of the people who have a two-car garage, uh, they can park one car in there?
1: No, zero cars. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm sorry, zero cars. And then 33% can park one car in there? Yeah. Is that what
1: it is? Yeah. Wow.
2: So, so yeah, um, I, I didn't want to do that to my grandma. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I had a garage sale and... So the actually, I knew someone who needed a washer and dryer, so I sold it to him, super cheap, uh, like pennies on the dollar. What I paid for it, paid for him, um, and then antique chair. Like this was the this was like the hardest thing I had to let go of, and it wasn't for any other reason than like the sentimental attachment I had to it. First big purchase when I had it in my home. Every every time I you know would, would put that like as my centerpiece in my home people would come over and they're like that is an awesome chair i'm like yeah i know it is an awesome chair like <laughs> i picked this out specifically um somebody uh some uh, a couple came by uh during the garage sale and they offered me 45 bucks for it and i'm like oh, i'm like can you give me like 65 they're like no man like and i could just tell like they just you know they weren't really having it and but they were really excited about it they just didn't you know have more than 45 bucks and i'm like you know what i'm gonna give it to you guys for 45 bucks and they were so happy like they were like they just got the buy of a century and i knew he's like i know exactly where this is gonna go like i'm so (laughs) excited it's like we've been looking for a chair for months um and uh yeah like i was really happy to give the give that to someone else who could use it um but I'll, I'll, I guess I'm just encouraging you if, if there is stuff that you're holding on to because you feel like, oh, I'm going to have to buy that again, you know, be honest with yourself. Are you going to have to buy it again? And then when you sell it, just think about like every single penny you get, you get, you get to put towards that debt. Mm-hmm. It's going to get you closer to getting out of mom's house, which is all, your goal ultimately, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thanks so much for the question. Thank
5: you, guys. Yep.
1: We'll do one more regular round question before we move on to the, right. the tweetable questions with tweetable answers. <laughs>
7: That's me, man. Hey, man.
1: Howdy. What's hey.
7: your name? Uh, I'm Jeff. Jeff. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're Jeff. Yeah, I'm Jeff. Jeff's,
2: this is the guy buying all the drinks. <laughs> That's great, man.
7: I can't remember you guys' names.
2: Uh, oh, I'm Ryan. You're Ryan. And Joshua.
7: You're, Joshua. Um, I had a question for Josh about his story. Um, I wanted to ask, man, you know, I get it that your uh, your mom passed away, right? And that was really hard for you. Yeah. And I get it. You know, um, so how to be in a mi- uh, minimalist.
2: Say that five times fast, Jeff. Know, right? I, yeah. I'm,
7: I'm serious. I'm a little drunk. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 but I mean, you know, my dad had some stuff too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, and I hold on to his things, and I really do. I, hear, I hold him very near and dear to my heart. He didn't have as much as you, um, your mother might have had, mm. but he has some things. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm trying to really find a happy spot in life right now. How did that help you grieve being a, uh, um, a minimalist? Yeah. How did that help you grieve? How did it help you cope with your life? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I get it. I get, I get rid of my stuff on a daily basis and I have not many things. Um, I accept the simple things in life. Um, I don't ask for much. I don't ask for anything from anybody, you know. And yeah. I have not much, but I need help grieving. Sure. You know, and um, and I and, and I'm always throwing away things because I'm like, you know what? I don't need this stuff. I don't need it. And you know, if I get rid of it, I won't have as much. So I don't have as much to worry about. So it's like, you know. What, what
1: kind of stuff did your dad leave behind?
7: Um, just. Just little trinkets um,
1: yeah. you do, know. Do, uh, do you use some of it though
7: um, yeah, man, and you know cool. and, and I used a lot of life lessons too, and my dad was a really cool guy, you know I used a lot of life lessons I, we, we camped a lot, and he was almost a minimalist um, to begin with i guess I, I guess that's a new word. it's hard for me to say it because i't i do don't, I don't know. I use, <laughs> you know I don't know, we camped a lot, you know we were we lived outside a lot, you know so sure but um we just didn't have a lot but i'm just my question to you is how how did it help you cope yeah you know like giving away your mom's stuff you know you looked at the things and these are things that your mom's seen in you
1: right
7: you know what i mean i, I have a daughter and it's like i see things in her and i keep little drawings that she's had since she was two years old right you know she's eight she's almost gonna be seven actually i'm sorry i'm yeah you know, whatever <laughs> i was gonna check that that Jeff's a liar. Started a second. You know, I mean, I keep these things and I hold on to them. And she's gonna be this, the person standing up here on stage. Yeah. Saying my dad kept the stuff since I was two. Right. You know, how do you cope with? I mean, how do so you? how does that help you cope?
1: We have a lot of people coming to our events now. Who, who, I mean, it's been nice since the documentary came out. We have a lot of high school kids and college age kids that. that they come to our events. But then we had, I mean, there was actually one very brief scene in a documentary in San Diego, a 93 year old woman was at the event and she was talking about how she wanted to get rid of the stuff so her kids didn't have to and grandkids and great grandkids didn't have to deal with it. And that letting go was also freeing, not just for her, but for the other people in her life. It was proactive sort of letting go. And so for me, I'll tell you this, I don't think I, I could've as quickly lamented the idea of my mother's passing. I don't think I would've been able to actually deal with it if I wouldn't have dealt with her stuff. Because I know what my plan was. I really did call and get the U-Haul. I got this largest storage locker they had. I'm gonna drive that big truck back up to Ohio, put it all in that big box just in case. Do you know why I was going to do that, though? So I didn't have to deal with it. And because I didn't have to deal with that, I didn't have to deal with Mom's death. She was gone, but her stuff wasn't. And so it took me letting go of the stuff, the excess stuff in particular, to let go of her life. She's no longer here. But then, of course, I remembered that the memories aren't in those things. So it was nice that I was able to take photos of, of many of her things. I still have a lot of her photos scanned. And if you use digital picture frames, you actually get to use the photos instead of putting them in a box in your basement. And I found, for me, that that process allowed me to let go. And I don't think I, don't think I could have without that. I, th- I think the one thing I'll add is...
2: You know the, the, this is Josh and I's recipe, yeah. and we have different recipes. We all and it, did. Yeah, <laughs> so you know our hopes is like, hey, there's a couple of ingredients where people can kind of you know tweeze out and, and and create their own recipe for their life. And what I'll tell you is like we're not a you know we're not against. I'm not against sentimental items. Like I have a, a beer Stein my grandmother gave me that I put like all my loose change in, and she's eighty. She turned 82 this year, and like her health is not well. Um, it's not good. I have to. Uh, I have to. Like, it's 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 kind of really gives me a lot of anxiety thinking about um, what I know is going to inevitably happen in the next few years, uh, and I'll probably hold on to that Stein. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is useful. So the first thing I would say is like, dude, if you, if this stuff that your dad has, if, if it is useful in, in in a certain way, then you know, throwing away uh, a family heirloom is not going to bring you joy at all. I mean, it's it's, uh, or I should, I should say, throwing away family heirloom doesn't guarantee that it's going to bring you joy. Um, so if it's useful, then then keep it, man. Um, people all the time, like in the documentary, I don't know if you saw that, but people uh, they come up to us all the time. Uh, I mentioned where they're like, hey man, I got this library that I love. I love the smell of my books and I loan my books out to my, my friends and uh, they, they read them, we talk about them, and I just, I can't be minimalist because of my, my, li- my library books. I'm like, keep your books. Sounds like you get a lot of value out of it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what it comes down to. It's like, are you getting value out of it? If it's stressing you out, if there's, if there's some anxiety that is being caused by these trinkets, then there is, there is a signal going off in your, in your mind that's saying that something, uh, uh, something wants to change. That doesn't mean go home and throw everything out. But it certainly is uh, it certainly is a sign. So I would just ask those those important questions too, to to kind of help help you work through it, man. For sure, man. Thank you so much, Jeff. It was really nice to meet you. Thanks, hey, Jeff. Oh, we're huggers, we're man. Huggers, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna kneel down here, buddy.
1: Thanks, man. You too, Jeff. Well, for those of you at home, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a a comment or tip for anyone that asked a question so far today, you can leave us a message, 406-219-7839, or you can uh, send a a voice memo from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. It's time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist Lightning Round. Did you all bring your hashtags? (laughs) Perfect. So, yes, uh, I knew someone in line was going to be like, <laughs> thank you.
7: My name is Jim. Um, hey, Jim.
1: The documentary, I watched it, and you guys have a segment with Dan Harris, uh, and he talks a little bit about Buddhism and meditation. Yeah. Do you guys practice meditation or any of those principles in your own lives or anything to keep you in the present? So we need, we need pithy answers, Ryan. Yes, characters. next question. <laughs> you can't tweet that. <laughs> you can tweet yes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes, at Ryan Nicodemus. Yes. <laughs> put it in quotes.
2: They have to put the hashtag ask the mentalist in there, too. I mean, oh, okay. no, I'm, no, I, I, uh, I'm not going to be able to come up with a tweetable answer on the spot like that. Sorry. But no, 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 it's no worries. Uh, I will come up with a couple sentence answer. Yes, I meditate uh, uh, every single day. Even if sometimes it's for a minute, which... Um, I was telling we were on Dan Harris's podcast, and he was like, "So you don't really follow any rules in life, do you?" And I'm like, "I'm like, I I, I don't follow all the rules. No, like, I, I yeah, meditation uh, for most people is like this 10, 15 minute. I mean, even if it's 60 seconds, like I will just take a minute to breathe and like to really try and clear my head. And sometimes that minute will turn into 15 minutes, and that's great. Um, on the plane right here, they had uh, like the Headspace some Headspace videos like on the on the entertainment thing on the airplane." And I was totally using that to to meditate on the way here. So yes, like it absolutely um, helps me clear a lot of mental clutter. And there there is a muscle memory that you get to really help impulses. Like I I know that, and probably because I put all these boundaries in uh, and, and instilled them into my life. Um, but I think the meditation has certainly helped too. Like when I catch myself walking through the mall in Chicago, I'm sure I can't remember what, but I know I, I saw something. I'm like just gonna go in there and check it out and I'm like no you're not like just like and I can catch those thoughts so tweet
1: that so on the airplane we flew United over here and I I kept trying to get them to drag Ryan off the plane I thought like it came with your ticket I kept asking him to um, yeah I, I meditate and um, I don't have a pithy answer for you. I'm sorry, but it—I find it's important because. Oh, here we go. Here's a pithy. Here's a pithy thing for you. Um,
2: what is the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, 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 uh,
1: here's 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 a pithy thing for you. So. Uh, our material possessions are a physical manifestation of what's going on inside us. Hashtag round. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very
2: much, ma'am.
8: Good evening, gentlemen. My name's Sharon. So my question is, now that you're living your life by your design essentially, and have escaped your kind of corporate world that you describe in your previous life, uh, how do you manage your day-to-day? Is it via like a calendar on your phone? right? Do you set priorities by a weekly basis? Things of that nature.
1: You go first. I'm going to try and think of something pithy.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my short-term actions must align with my long-term values every day. You're such a cheater.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it's good, man. Um, I have
2: three things that like i have to do every day it's uh, like exercise of some sort walking around going to the gym snowboarding uh, i have to uh, meditate for at least 60 seconds
8: <laughs> and pet the cat right you still on the cat that's the third
2: one clearly. what's that
8: you
3: still on the cat so it's clearly like some right, cat right right right
2: so. No, and, and, and the other thing is, is like I really have to add as much value as possible to the people around me. So if, if I don't live up to that, then I feel miserable. And really what Josh said is just a short answer to what I just said. <laughs> Thank you. We're just saying it different. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just saying it different. <laughs> Hello?
1: Hi,
3: guys. Hello. This is so exciting.
2: Awesome. We're excited too. Thanks for coming.
8: Thanks for coming to Pittsburgh for your first first part of the tour. Heck yeah. Okay, so once you've gotten rid of all of the stuff, the decluttering's gone, your
6: schedule is a little bit lighter, how do you find motivation to go do those joys in life? I mean, I'm a college student, sometimes I just need a nap. But at the same time, I want to go out and I want to you know, enjoy the little things in life, come to more shows, things of that
8: nature. Mm. <laughs> Tweet that.
2: I'm trying to think of something pithy. You Usually I have with, like the night. I before would challenge to come him to like all these. who could come up with a pithy an- answer first, but I
1: know he'd win every time. Um, <laughs> you want to riff? You can just riff, and I'll I'll now, tie it I, up No, I'm, with I'm a trying bow. to think of
2: something like I'm trying to think of a tweetable answer to say this. Like it's okay to veg out, but you veg out too much, you become a vegetable. You know? That was actually tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write that down, Sean? No, we got to record it. We're good. <laughs> Make it a haiku. Pass. 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 At Joshua Fields Ring. Hashtag ass minimalist. I'll get back
1: to it, I promise. Thank
2: you guys. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Hi. Hello. Howdy. I'm Chelsea. And Chelsea. And
4: Chelsea. I'm from Toledo.
1: Oh, cool!
2: <laughs>
4: we drove all the way. From
2: Welcome! Toledo oh, thank bio. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you get one IO in this crowd. Oh, I'm sorry, IO. That's because we're, in, yeah. <laughs> we're sorry, guys. No, that's no, all right. <laughs>
8: um, sorry, I'm a little nervous. Uh, <laughs> the this may not be a short answer. Sorry. Uh, once you declutter all of your material things, and maybe you even declutter some relationships that aren't good for you, like friendships that are just toxic. What do you do or what would you recommend to people who have relationships? I know this is the other half of minimalism once you get past all of that decluttering of things. Um, What do you do or what would you recommend to people who have toxic relationships in their life that they must keep? Like parents, siblings, spouses, (laughs) stuff like that. And they must keep them, but they don't want to spend too much time focused on that. Too much, you know? I, I don't know how to say it. I've that. got the pithy <laughs> answer. <laughs> Sorry.
2: I've got the pithy answer. Josh is pithier. Okay, Josh is going to hate this. You can't change the people around you. <laughs> but you can change the people around you. Well
1: played.
8: So get rid of my parents. H- <laughs> how about this?
1: How about this? No. My short answer is victims become victimizers. And, and so the only leverage, my long answer is the only leverage you have against these people in your life is your time and your attention. And uh, if you're being held hostage by a mentality that doesn't align with the person that you want to be, then it's okay to let go, at least for now.
2: Yeah, I, I will expound a little bit because no, like don't get rid of your parents. <laughs> I'm sure they're great people.
8: Oh, actually, this was a question for everyone else. I should just note that my family is awesome. So <laughs> I don't have toxic relationships. Oh, awesome. Sorry. Well, you tell me.
2: How do you... <laughs> well, I don't know. That's why no, I... It's uh, a general question. No, so um, I have family members who I, I do distance myself from. Like, I'm totally there for them. They call me up and they're like, hey, I need 50 bucks for, you know, whatever. Hey, I need you to fly home because mom's sick I mean I would totally be there, and like hands down, no questions asked but i i will spend i will spend uh not nearly as much time with him than when I used to because I used to feel obligated to do that, and I realize i'm like, you know what i'm josh is you know he's he's like a brother to me, and um i mean he's he's practically family, and you know for me it doesn't matter who's 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 Blood someone has in their veins. uh, As long as they're investing in me, I I invest in them.
4: Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we got three more lightning rounds here. What's up, guys? Thank you for coming. Uh, I saw
9: your documentary and I went crazy and sold and threw away things and my family got scared. (laughs) Isn't isn't that the weird thing? Like, so as soon as you start getting
1: rid of stuff, it's like, oh shit, he's gonna kill himself. Yeah. They were like, what are you going to eat on or sit on or
9: anything? Anyways, um, my question is basically just about like digital clutter. Um, And two examples would be in this kind of new era of streaming. um, Like prior to five years ago, I have, you know, 100 gigabytes of music, you know, albums, and now also pictures. So I think like, all right, Spotify, right? Now i just listen to it all the time but i got all this other music that i have not spotify gonna exist forever like what if the internet shuts down like you know <laughs> like i can't listen to it and then pictures i'm like well do i just keep like dumping these pictures onto my computer or do i just upload it onto instagram forever and then i have it there And i was like fight i'm like man my brain is like caught between keeping digital stuff or like keeping it over here and i don't know thoughts on digital clutter there we go uh
2: i would say first pass no i'm kidding um trying to think how to say this pithy well i I, actually i won't because i think it's going to take longer (laughs) for me to think of a pithy answer than just give a long answer um you got to deal with the horde of clutter digital clutter you have right now um simple is not easy unfortunately and we, we confuse simple with easy a lot So you've got to set the time aside and handle the horde that you have right now of digital clutter. And then you have to curate really, really well moving forward. That's, I mean, that's, well, you don't have to do anything. That's what I do. That's what I had to go through. And now when I do that picture dump, I like delete as many of those pictures as I can before I dump them. Because like, you you take four pictures of one thing. You're like, how do I need the best picture? I took four pictures so I could choose the best picture. I'm not going to put all four of those on my computer.
1: You'll never reach the end of the internet so stop trying
9: it could happen
1: yeah it could (laughs) it could could.
9: hey you didn't have internet for months man
2: years (laughs) and then yeah and then when that happens like records will make another comeback yeah (laughs) thanks guys yeah thank you man appreciate Appreciate the question hi hello
3: Okay, my question is about trying to get rid of things that people have given you because they think it's a great gift. So every Christmas, birthday, I get wonderful sweaters for my mom and record player that I'll probably never use. And I am going through and decluttering. And I'm like, wow, I get a lot of gifts that people spend a lot of money on. And I don't want this stuff. And then I have all this other stuff that my parents just give me because they think it's like... I'm gonna need it someday. And it's something they got on sale and oh, you should have this. I'm like, what am I doing with all this stuff? How do I stop it from coming in and be like respectful? Because my parents do not understand what I'm doing right now. So (laughs) at all, especially my dad. So I'm like, he's like, I don't understand why you're getting rid of all your stuff. I'm like, I don't need it, you know? So I'm just like, I need help.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My, My short answer for you is the only person's permission you need is your own. I think once you realize that, it's really freeing. But the best, here, here's another pithy thing for you. The, the best way to deal with clutter is before it happens. And I think the same is also true with, with gifts. Set, it's April right now. Now's the time to start talking about Christmas gifts. <laughs> and so don't wait until it's December 24th to be like, you know what? I really don't want all that stuff that you, you're getting me. Too late. It's already here. And now you're going to make them feel bad. And then here's the other thing. Instead of saying no, figure out what you can say yes to. Don't say no. Don't get me a gift. Say yes. Give me an experience. Give me a consumable bag of coffee, bottle of wine, something that I can use, something that I'll actually enjoy. So don't say no. Say yes to the right thing. If... Well, I should
2: say, when, when someone gives you a gift, they want to make you happy. If your life would be happier without that gift, I assure you they would want you to get rid of it. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. We got Appreciate one more here. All right.
6: It's a, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs>
2: Better be a good question.
6: Oh. So I am an MIT, so minimalist in training.
1: Nice. What's your name? Erica. Hi, Erica. Hi.
6: Um, I'm also a researcher. So along with that, I've kind of gotten to where I am now. Uh, I'm an expert in learning from other people's mistakes. So I always kind of—I was the, the youngest of two siblings, and the youngest of all my friends and family friends. So I just kind of watch everybody else blow it, and then I figure out how to not blow it based upon what they did. So I guess kind of to wrap it up, any minimalist regrets that you guys have? Things that you tried that didn't turn out the way you thought, and maybe some things that you would do differently to get you to where you are now?
2: Well, my pithy answer, my pithy answer, yeah. (laughs) Yes, actually. (laughs) No, uh, my pithy answer would be, if I died with no regrets, I'd really regret that. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and my pithy answer has has something to do with Here we go. <laughs> the hamster's running around still. <laughs> He's still there. Been up since four AM which <laughs> two AM Montana time. <laughs> All right. Um All of my successes are composed of fragments of failures.
2: Okay, I'm gonna give you some. Like, I'm gonna try and give you something real. That, that I mean, <clears throat> really, what Josh and I are saying is like, it's okay to fail. But you're a proactive person. And I totally appreciate that. I try to be as proactive as much as possible. Also, um, the only regret I can think of, it wasn't even actually. I don't even know if that was a, a regret, um, but. You know, like Josh got rid of his cell phone, and after two months, he's like, "Shoot, I need a phone. <laughs> like, I'm gonna. People are gonna have to call me." Um, but you know, even that was an experiment, and it was it was poised to fail or not. You know, and it ended up you know being a failure. But uh, man, I'm really looking for like something like a really awesome life lesson. Like, don't do this if you know if
1: you're going down this minimalism path. Um, I can, I can tell you my biggest regret in life is, um, so I told that story earlier, but I, when my mother found out she had stage four lung cancer, I spent seven different weeks with her that year she was down in, in Florida. Uh, I mean, literally, she moved down there, and a few months after she did, she found out she was dying. and. I spent seven weeks, and in the corporate world, that was I, I got so much shit from my boss and my boss's boss for spending that much time off work, seven weeks over the course of one year. If I could do that over again, I would have quit my job the day she, she called me, and I would have spent the, the rest of that year with her. Uh, I occasionally still have nightmares about it. Thanks. Well, ended on a bright note. <laughs> really brought the mood down, Millie. Well, we will be out there afterward. Uh, we do give out hugs. It's not just Jeff that gets one. Uh, wh- whoever wants to grab one, they-, they are free and transferable. So pick one up, pass it on. We've got some books out there as well. If you, if you want to grab one, we'll-, we'll sign it and all that fun stuff. If you didn't bring your wallet, don't have enough money with you, we'll, we'll buy one for you. So you- you're welcome to-, to grab one on your way out as long as there's enough. Um, yeah, the catch is, is like after you get the book
2: and you read it, you minimize it afterwards. That's right. Pass it on to someone,
1: uh, donate it to the library. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well thanks for being here tonight, Pittsburgh. If <laughs> um, Thank you thank you if you live here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all.
0: That you'd be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear.